0: Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Today's big idea is how to increase your sales by partnering with trusted advisors. Sales can be a complicated process and tiring if you go about it the wrong way. There's the stigma of salespeople being annoying also. For solopreneurs, consultants, fractional C-suite executives and entrepreneurs, how do you get your message across without being salesy? Through relationships with trusted advisors. That's what I discuss with Rafi Yardman today. Rafi is an executive level sales leader and serial entrepreneur. He has over 25 years of experience in sales leadership across fortune 500 companies, growth phase organizations, private equity and venture capital backed firms, as well as public and private companies. We discuss how to build relationships with trusted advisors that will share your offering with their networks, how to craft a powerful marketing message and collateral that can easily be shared by your trusted advisors. Why focusing on how you solve pain points is more important than sharing why you're great and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Rafi. I appreciate you making the time.
1: Oh, and thank you. Pleasure's all mine. I'm really happy to be on the uh, podcast today with you, Mark.
0: And I'd love to jump right in. In our last discussion, one of our last discussions, you mentioned for solopreneurs, consultants, entrepreneurs, how do you get your message across without being salesy? How did you yeah. figure that out? What's the story behind that?
1: No, that's a great question, Mark. Um, I think you know many of us that are uh, consultants, solopreneurs um, that are working with, many of us don't go to the end clients. The pain points that we solve, whether you be a fractional CFO, a uh, fractional marketer, uh, or somebody like myself that does fractional sales, fractional CRO. We're getting a lot of our business and the opportunities uh, by solving problems for end clients that are relationships or um, customers of the partners and and the trusted advisors that we have. So you really create a very good, large community. And some people call it networking. I think networking is knowing a bunch of people. I really think once you get to the point where you're a trusted advisor and a trusted partner with some of these folks, they really understand the key elements of what you do, the pain points you solve for their clients, um, what your value proposition is. They really know the business that you're in, what you do and what you don't do, and can articulate that effectively. That by the time you talk to a potential client, they're 70 or 80% educated, just like the marketing world is now with, with sales, right? Um, A lot of uh, salespeople go into opportunities and and relationships now, probably over the last five, six, seven years, where the client is 60, 70 percent, either self-educated or educated through the means of some of the marketing elements. So in my world, from a solopreneur standpoint, I'm really hoping that the relationships and these trusted partners that we have out there know exactly what I do, the pain points that I solve and can articulate that to the point where when I get introduced to them, It really is seeing if there's a a mutual fit between my background, my style, and what they're looking for. I really think the other part of the relationship that's really important is you really need to understand what their true value proposition is. So, Mark, you and I, understanding what your value prop is, what the problem is you solve, and what's important to you in the work work that you do. This way, I'm also able to introduce you and introduce you to people um, knowing exactly what you're able to do. And then it's a it's a much warmer relationship than somebody understanding that you know Mark does this or Rafi is a fractional CRO and just throw a name at, at uh, an opportunity.
0: How do you start building the relationships with trusted advisors? How does uh, how does it go from somebody you don't know to somebody you just met to trusted advisor? How do you build that relationship?
1: I think it's like any uh, any of the sales opportunities that I work on too. It's a Um, it's a value-based discussion, right? You really want to meet someone really. The first thing I think it's really important is you want to open up and learn as much as you can about them. And I think serve first is a very important key element. So learn a little bit about, um, obviously, first their business and what's important to them and how they're driving their activities and opportunities. I think to really get somebody to that, uh, you know, I've looked at this before and I look at networking relationships in three tiers. You got networking partners, which are a lot of people that you meet at um, conferences, events, Zoom meetings, networking events. You know them, but you don't know them intimately enough. You might know generally what they're doing. Uh, then you've got referral partners, centers of influence that you've gotten to know pretty well. You've got a good idea of their business and yours, but you really haven't had a chance to share clients. And then you've got the top tier, tier one that I consider trusted advisors, where again, you know enough about them from a business standpoint, you've collaborated, you've got mutual clients, you've got referenceable accounts about each. And then you know them on a personal level as well. You've got a good idea of what's important to them outside of work. And to get to that level, I really think you need to be invested and invest the time and effort, have mutually, um, you know, mutual relationships that are important. So sales and marketing end up being very collaborative in that capacity. Mm -hmm. Uh, But from there, build out what you can both do to solve problems for small and medium-sized companies, which we're all working around. I think that's the key element of making sure it's a bi-directional relationship. Mm-hmm. get to know them build on it and then invest the time because i think if uh, if you meet somebody and you have one or two conversations it doesn't go as far i think they need to uh, i think you need to build that re- uh, rapport and in some cases setting up a next step having another discussion having another meeting because things change with folks their business evolves uh, they might be looking at a new opportunity or an add on to their current practice you want to be educated enough, understand that, and see how you can help them as they're evolving their practice as well.
0: Well, one of the things with trusted advisors you had mentioned is getting your message out when you're not in the room. How do you craft a message like that to share with the trusted advisor, knowing that they can, you know, secondhand share your message with people they meet? What what's involved with creating a message like that? How do you share that?
1: That's actually a really an important element. Is how do you make
0: sure you're, you're
1: arming them correctly to be able to message that? I think um, articulating your value proposition, um, making sure you've got some good documentation of what it is. For example, with me, when I finish talking to somebody and I think there's some uh, opportunity there, craft up a very simple email that says, here's a uh, kind of a one pager, two pager, if you will, on both sides, which really lists out all of the things you do in the areas that you help out. So they've got that readily available. In the body of the email, I'll make a very simple introduction as well, that when you do find somebody, whether it be another center of influence or a client, here's a great way to introduce me. Make it easier for someone to be able to articulate or or take out of their hands how to be able to craft up uh, an introductory message about you. And then from there, I really think it's, again, investing the time and effort to have consistent conversations, because many times your secondary or tertiary call will be, hey, these are some of the clients that I've helped. Um articulate your use cases, right? Mm-hmm. And in many cases, it's not just in documentation, but it's I worked with a managed service provider in such and such a market. Here was the pain point, here are the things that we did, here's what we solved. Uh, but at the same time, you want to also understand what they're doing, what they've solved, and figure out the more you can get this to truly stories and use cases, the better educated somebody is. But really, it's it's a matter of refining and making sure your value proposition, your elevator pitch is simple enough
0: mm-hmm. and something
1: they grasp. And in some cases, ask them, you know, how would you introduce me to, uh, for example, in my case, um, the two areas somebody will misinterpret or uh, misrepresent me at is either a hired salesperson uh, or a sales trainer. Those are components of things in the sales realm that there are. But if somebody doesn't understand what I do they may introduce me as a a sales trainer. And usually I'll I'll try and clarify and say, you know, there are companies that do that really well. You know, Sandler uh, and others really have good methodologies. I'm not a Mm -hmm. a pure sales trainer, but I'm in there helping them build a sales foundation, sales structure, and really engulf myself in the organization and help them build out the sales organization um, as a fractional chief revenue officer. So, um, you know, back to the part of your question at the beginning, It really is important that you articulate that, you solidify it, solidify it, and get it into a lot of stories and and use cases on what you do so they can actually go ahead and represent that correctly.
0: Well, you've mentioned pain points and problem solving. And if I hear you correctly, should that be one of the things to to not be salesy? It's not just, oh, look how great I am. But the message, if I hear you and understand correctly, is here's the problems I solve because people will pay money, good money, to make problems go away. Is that a key point of the messaging?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's why I'll spend most of my time in a, in a discovery meeting specifically on that is, uh, what are the issues you've got? Because in some cases, they don't need me, they may need some advice on a CRM system that might be a fit for them and their organization that's simplified for their salespeople. Mm-hmm. And I'll give them that information. It's it's a, it's a very simple, easy conversation to have. And in that, you know, 30 to 60 minute discovery meeting, very easy for me to be able to say, you know, you, you don't have the pain points that I can help you solve. But you know, many times, even with uh, referral partners or trusted advisors, I'm really not spending too much time about my history and my background. You know, uh, the years of, of sales leadership experience, et cetera, that I have. Mm-hmm. That's all somebody can find that information out through LinkedIn or, or through talking to me for a few minutes. But really is what have I been able to solve for others? What can I help solve for their clients? And what are the areas that I probably can't help them with? And if it's something as simple as hire me to help you find a CRM system, that's something that I can help you with very simply without an engagement. But if you're looking at either developing a brand new sales organization of a company that was generating revenue just by a founder and CEO before, and they're pivoting into, I need a sales team out there. I need some feet on the street to be able to to build that. That's something I can help them with from cradle to grave of a sales foundation. Or if they've got a pain point where they just can't figure out how to be able to get into a different line of business. Um, You know, they've been doing really well in, um, in retail, for example, they want to do much more through wholesale or they were able to sell through small and medium-sized companies and they want to pivot into an enterprise strategy, uh, oh. partner channel, they want to sell through partners, anything like that where they've gotten to a certain level of growth and they need to pivot and add on or, or change to be able to get back to further growth. Or quite simply, they had a really cool product or a technology they went to market with and they got a plethora of revenue all of a sudden they're at a point where they can't find more revenue. They can't keep up with the demand and the opportunities because they can't change it from a reactionary revenue stream and sales to a proactive stream, which is outbound. Uh, Those are all the pain points and elements that I can help somebody out with. Uh, And I'm usually articulating that and, um, and hoping to, that, that's the area that they need my help with rather than talk about kind of my, my years of experience in the past. I don't think anybody wants to hear that. It's, um, It brings me back to the, from a sales standpoint, the feature functionality dump, right? Uh, I don't want to give somebody all of the feature and functionality of all of the things that I've done or that I can do. I'd prefer to understand where their issue is, where their problem is, and see if I can help solve that. And that's where you want to hopefully have your trusted partners and um, um, trusted advisors be able to understand what Rafi has been able to do or what Mark has been able to do and see if that's something I can do for others in their network.
0: And when it comes to reciprocity and sharing trusted advisor stories, what questions can you ask or how do you get them? Because lot some people can't articulate their message that well, and it could, that could be a stumbling block because if you have to share it, you have to have a clear message to share. What questions can you ask them or what should you focus on when, to make it a truly reciprocal relationship and share their story the right way?
1: Uh, so asking them about what uh, what their their value is. Yes. Ideally, I, I'll start with, Tell me about the last three engagements you've had. Who do you work with? Um, do they know who their ideal client profile is? Um, you know, are they if, if they tell me this and I'm working with everybody under a hundred million dollar company that has um this type of a structure, I'll be like, okay, that's a little too wide. And I'll usually help educate, and that does happen quite a bit, just based on the on the skill set that I've got and what I've been able to do being a sales leader. Um, in some cases, it's somebody that happened to be. Uh, a controller at a company for a long period of time. They just started their practice as a fractional CFO, fractional controller, uh, but they've never really gone through any of the marketing or uh, polished, if you will, to try and go out there and be able to sell. Selling has never been part of their their DNA. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'll say, "Listen, you got to skinny that down. One, have a niche. Who can you help? What experience do you have? What have you done for others? And then, what's the value proposition as to why somebody's going to hire?" Rafi, Mark, or Joe, compared to the plethora of other people that are out there. Have your unique value proposition, skinny it down, and then have a very clear, deliberate kind of one to two sentence elevator pitch about why you're able to help them find that pain point. But and if they don't have that, I'll usually just ask the questions, you know, who have you helped? Who have you worked with? What was the issue before? What was it like now? And can we condense that down instead of telling me all of the feature functionality details of the engagement? What really was the problem? What did you solve and how long did it take? And if they can get that down, they can go ahead and articulate that in a value prop much easier.
0: Well, and how about the other side of the coin where we started with, with, you wanna share your message and branding without being salesy. What are some warning signs that people should not do as far as when it comes to, if you're doing this, you're being salesy, don't do it. What are some examples of what not to do? Um,
1: Speak more than um, than you're asking questions. I think at the end of the day, you really want to just to get that pain point, ask really good open-ended questions, who, what, where, when, tell me more, Um, have somebody expand and have them speak, hopefully in in a sales call, different than a a podcast like this, Mark, of course, but um, (laughs) where I'm doing majority of the talking, I think you invited me for this. Majority of the time should usually be that the prospect speaks 70% of the time, at least. So uh, you get away from the sales component if you stop talking about what you've done, how great you are, um, what are all the things that you've accomplished before, rather than tell me what you're looking for. Let's see if there's some uh, some rapport and some uh, some synergies between my style, my background uh, culturally and your organization. Because I spend a lot of my time, I'm spending 20% of my time directly in a client's environment. And I want to make sure the culture they've built is, is, is in line with me and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in line with their culture as well. So getting away from things like, uh, you know, this is what I'm going to build. You're going to get 30% additional revenue and all these other elements and getting it down to, well, really all they're trying to do is find a way to be able to sell through partners and get their salespeople to be able to sell through a distributor or a middle person. If that's the pain point I can spend my time and effort on What I've been able to do, what my thoughts are, get more information and have them continue to give you their their details. And, you know, in a very long winded way, it's really just having them speak more, um, ask questions rather than give them functionality of what you do or your product. I mean, your product as a solopreneur or consultant is yourself. uh, But you can really get yourself caught up in spending way too much time making it self-fulfilling and talking about yourself rather than what's important and what you really want to learn. And If it's a trusted advisor, really what have they done? what you know they're so passionate about their space and usually about 15, 20 minutes into a conversation, if you kept asking questions and you keep learning more about them, just naturally somebody gets to the point where they say, you know I've spent so much time talking about me. How about you, Mark? Tell me, you know, I want to learn more about you And it becomes such a softer approach because it shows that you actually care about the them, which you do. and then it turns a, uh, naturally a conversation will turn about, learning about you and or the services you provide. And that's, that's worked for me. And I think it seems to be the the natural ability
0: that most people should utilize. Well, in conversations like that, another thing that you had mentioned is you're not selling, you're educating. Could you speak more to that? Explain that a little bit.
1: Yeah. In some cases, just based on the number of people that I've worked with or organizations that I've been at, or even small business owners, it could be something as educational as um, you know, I had this just the other day with a with a prospect that spent about three hours at their site uh, the day before yesterday. And they're not a client or anything. They just have a big challenge. And January ends up being a, a busy period of time because most companies stop. They've already approved their budgets and they realize they're not going to be able to hit uh, profitability or anything else if they don't generate more revenue. Usually the revenue lever is the perfect thing for it to be able to look at. And you know, January ends up being a, an interesting month where I get brought in for people that were curious in pre prior years, um, they didn't think it was that important until they see everything on paper. Then I get brought in with, hey, we have a strategy session on, you know, January seventeenth. Can you help us out? In that meeting, we spent a lot of time talking about, um, you know, what are what are the the pain points and opportunities, and what are you trying to accomplish? Where are you trying to go? They they happen to they want to start selling business to consumer. Uh, rather than B2Bs where they're at right now. And really, okay, what's, what's the problem? What do you need to generate? And is there something I can help you with? Um, in that particular discussion, just to let you know, one of the things we realized is they've got two salespeople. They don't have a system and a repository to be able to grab all that information. So if Joe Smith that's been with him for 12 years leaves, all of the engagements, opportunities, relationships that he's built are pretty much gone because they're either in his books or in his mind. So in some cases, I'll talk to somebody and 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 understand, all right, what happens if this if this occurs? What happens if these two people together hit the lottery tomorrow? Your business is really in jeopardy because all of the revenue-generating individuals, you don't have that um, historical data. You don't have a CRM system. So, you know, some cases I'll educate them on why it's important to have a CRM system, what CRM systems are a perfect fit for them, what things are too big for them. And this is just from tribal knowledge and, and seeing. You know, for example, Salesforce as a tool is something that's worked for me when I've had 50 or 60 salespeople plus. It's a great, strong, uh, robust system. But if you're a smaller business, you can't invest in some of the customizations and the complexity of of a tool like that. So I usually educate and tell them, this is probably what you want to invest in. Here's two or three different options. Uh, And I enjoy that because I do that for a living day to day. So it comes up in conversations if they ask it. Uh, but really, that's the educational part of it compared to trying to sell them on uh, a license of HubSpot or anything like that.
0: Sounds like a lot of this comes down to asking the right questions. Is that right?
1: I believe so. I think, I mean, sales is, is like that. I think relationships are like that, right? It's um, I come across enough people that say, listen, I'm not a salesperson, um, never really been a salesperson. Everybody's selling. That's the interesting part. Everybody in the world has a sales component to what they do whether you're a project manager in a Fortune 100 company and you want to get your, your project and your and your resources funded, um, whether you'll be a, a chief financial officer in an organization, whether you're a salesperson, solopreneur, everybody's selling at some point. You're selling your ideas, you're selling somebody, uh, but you want to make sure you're not coming across as to me, 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 and what I want to accomplish uh, rather than what can I do to help out. And it all comes back to asking the right questions and having somebody tell you exactly what they're looking for. And if there's a fit, if it's a mutually beneficial relationship between what you've got, your product or your service and what the pain point is, it's a great marriage. And I think there's there's also an element when you see somebody get, getting too salesy, it's when they're trying to sell somebody something they don't need. You know, mm. for me, for example, um, going out there right now to 85 small business owners that I can get through uh, through LinkedIn Sales Navigator or anything like that would be useless calories for me and would dilute my brand. Because at the end of the day, those 85 people don't really care that I'm a fractional CRO. Um, They've already got a a sales engine that's working. They've got someone doing this, or they don't have a pain point for sales. They may have a pain point somewhere else in the business, but it's not worth my time and effort to go out there and, and, and talk about the things that I do to people that don't necessarily want to consume my product. I think there's too many salespeople, especially novice salespeople, that always think you're going to be able to sell somebody something they don't need. And Uh, That, unfortunately, is not a sales strategy. It's what really weak salespeople or or business owners do uh, to try and get their product to fit into a place it doesn't. And um, that's one of the areas that I try and um, hopefully educate, whether it be trusted advisors or clients. um, This is what you don't do is if there's not a fit there. Great. Get to a no. Uh, Yes is the best answer. You have to get to a no. That's okay. Just don't leave something at 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 a maybe. But at the end of the day, if, if the product doesn't fit or your environment doesn't fit, don't spend your time and effort there. There's plenty of opportunities. Spend them on the opportunities and the areas where your product or your service fits in well with the client.
0: Well, we've covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. And when it comes to getting your message out without being salesy, if you people <coughs> listening say, Well, give me one thing to do or one key key point to to bring home, take to heart about not being salesy with getting your message out? Whether it's something we've covered to reiterate or something we haven't touched on yet, what would that one thing be? If you're gonna do this, do it, do this, at least do this. I think listen, uh, listen and empathize,
1: take copious notes and do what you say you're gonna do. So you have a really good conversation. You get a lot of intel and information on a potential prospect or, or a partner spend time and effort listening to what the pain points are document really well. Make sure if you, if you say, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of people or I'm going to do this, you follow through with, with some of those items and you're very well at following up and keeping the next step in place. But I think the critical part of the, the beginning is listening, listen well, and uh, listen, if there's not a fit, be be open and honest and let somebody know this is not a great relationship or a, an opportunity. Um, you might be better suited doing something different. And it's always good to be able to tell somebody what the better option may be. It could be as simple as, hey, you know what, Um, take a look at X company. Here's an opportunity with with a tool that may help you. But uh, listen and uh, don't hesitate to say this is just not a fit for me or my
0: product and service. Excellent. And if people want to find you online, where's the best place to go?
1: Uh, best place to go is, uh, I'll get my website out there, but the best place to do is, is probably email me, my first name, Rafi, at sales acceleration, sales um or LinkedIn is probably the best place. I've got a pretty unique name, so Rafi Yardimian. I think I'm the only one there um in the Boston area, and uh, that's probably the best place to be able to find me and uh, uh, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I love utilizing that tool and expand my network through that uh through that path as well.
0: Thank you for the time. I really appreciate it, Rafi.
1: Mark, thank you. I really enjoyed being on the podcast with you. And uh, uh, thanks for the time today. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit IdeaClimbing.com to learn more about Idea Climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.